0: Hit me.
1: From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for Suck Attack, the number one comedy podcast about comedy, podcast. and here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw.
2: That's right, Bill Haywatt. Do you guys even remember me? It's me. Mark, Mark Hershon, I've been away from posting a new Epi of Suckatash for so long this time, I almost forget what we do. I hope you don't forget. We play clips from comedy podcasts all over the internet and from all around the world. And we've got a bunch stored up for you in this Epi 67 of Suckatash, the Comedy Podcast Podcast. I appreciate you sticking around and downloading or streaming our show. Apologies for the couple of weeks away. Work has been crazy busy. Plus, the computer I used for creating the episodes was damaged when I was on vacation. I was trying to work with it, but the screen was getting all wonky and it was getting worse. Fortunately, and coincidentally, past guest and friend of Succotash Dana Carvey wanted me to help him out with some writing on a project, something that happens every once in a while, and I bartered the job out in exchange for a spiffy new Mac to replace Flegal, the official Succotash computer. I want to give a big shout out to our friend and avid listener Tyson Sainer, who recently has been clipping comedy podcasts that he enjoys listening to and then passing the clips along to me here at Suckatash. I've got a bunch of them from Tyson this show, and I think I'm going to make him honorary associate producer for this show. Probably temporary, because I think Tyson is about this close to launching his own podcast, at which point he's really not going to have any spare time left to cut clips for my show. Thank you, Tyson. I really appreciate it. Another friend of the show, Charlie Miller, featured an interview that he did with me back in April on a recent episode of his Random Variety Show podcast. And it wasn't just an interview. This, is, this was a real tribute to our show. He plays a couple of classic Henderson's Pants Spots, played a clip of us clipping him, and he even plugged I Hate People, the business book that I co-wrote a few years ago, which is still available online. Hint, hint. On top of all that wonderfulness, Charlie dipped into his one-year-old son's college fund and kicked a very generous donation in through our donate button on the Suckatash Show dot com website. So get up to randomvarietyshow.com or iTunes or Stitcher or the Pod Gods Network and give Charlie's episodes a listen, won't you? And you should also do like Charlie did and feel free to donate a little bit to help us keep this podcast going. One of my favorite features of our show is fast becoming the succotash recipes that appear at the very tail end of the show. Now, the original idea for these came from jabs at the D-Head Factor and the Boganwood Podcast, and it was fun to play an actual recipe for succotash after every show. I just grabbed the audio off a YouTube video where people are cooking the stuff, but after doing that for about six months, the well began running dry. So I've been reaching out to some of the more creative comedy podcasters out there and asking them to record their own recipes. So far, we've had Chef Eddie Vetter from the Tiny Odd Conversations podcast and Chef Terry with a Cajun recipe from the Don't Quit Your Daycast podcast. This week's episode features a recipe provided by Davian Dent over at the Bitter Sound podcast through his Bitter Sound cooking class and Chef Matt Bubbles. We also have a clip from the Bitter Sound this show, which we'll be getting to shortly. Now, even though we've been down for a couple of weeks, it seems our our friends Dean and Phil over at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour podcast have been swamped. And although they've been very good about putting out their Monday episodes, they've been uh, uh, on the set of a new movie they're producing, directing, and acting in called The Lady Killers. As a result, they have not been mentioning Succotash, which is fine. But those have been the clips I've been playing here. See, when they mention our show, I mention their show, and you know what what we do. Anyway, I guess we're suck the narcissistic podcast podcast. Uh, I guess we'll just call the past couple of weeks a wash. Phil Ernest and I have also not been able to pick up our conversation on forming a new podcast network, but we will when everyone's a little less busy. My latest review on splitsider.com for this week in comedy podcast last week was the Jimmy Schubert show, veteran comic and actor. Jimmy's been around for a while, but only two episodes into the world of podcasting. And I'm going to interview Jimmy at the, uh, on the next IP of Suckatash. So how about that? Uh, So listen to epi 38. I should have that uh, all uh, locked, chopped and put together. Let me tell you what we got going on this show. It's another clip-full show, other than a snippet of an interview with Jason McNamara that rolls into episode six of his Boganwood podcast miniseries. It's pretty much clips, a double dose of our Burst O'Durst segment. They've been backing up here for the last couple of weeks as well, and a new Henderson's Pants commercial. So without further ado, let's jump into the meat of things, shall we?
3: The
1: 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast League!
2: Now I'm not sure what I've been missing as far as the action on Stitcher's top 100 comedy podcast list goes the past couple of weeks. Uh, But this show, a couple of shows took some big steps. Nothing drastic, up or down the chart. The rest are fairly minor. But we'll give you the top 10 most active because that is what we do here on Succotash. Well, it's one of the things we do here. And I think it's an exclusive. So yay us! All right. At 22... Talks Hit with Eddie Ift is up 9 places at 42 Professor Blastoff up 11 places at 45 The Dana Gould Hour is up 66 places uh, it's been a while since he put a show out this one's a 2-hour extravaganza and we will have a clip from that in just a couple of minutes at 50 Girl on Guy with Aisha Tyler is up 17 places at 55 That American Life has dropped 16 places Uh, At number 63, the champs with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher has dropped 25 places since last week. Uh, placing at 66 the black guy who tips podcast is down 15 at 70 the david felbin show has dropped 14 points at 91 the perfect 10 podcast with ralphie may and lana turner up 45 places to get into the top 100 and we will be featuring a, a clip from that as well and then at 100 on the nose yoshi didn't podcast down 16 places and there's your...
1: The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast
4: List! This is Adam. And I'm Billy. And we are from the It's Not Soccer Podcast, part of the Barker Podcast Collection. And you are listening to Suckatash Show, the comedy podcast podcast.
5: Why would you say podcast? Podcast.
4: Because it is the comedy podcast. Podcast,
6: but no, but it's look, just a comedy podcast.
4: Podcast, podcast. It's a podcast about comedy podcasts. So it's a comedy podcast. But I haven't got a stutter, Billy. Just shut your face, Suck at that show. Comedy podcast, podcast.
2: Thanks to Adam and Billy across the pond at the not soccer podcast for cutting that lovely tag for our show. Love those guys. Check them out. Won't you for the first couple of clips, I'm going to jump back to the stitcher top 100 and play the two that move the most, namely in the stitcher top 100 at number 45 up 66 places from last week, the funny and dark, or maybe it's just the darkly funny. Dana Gould is back. Now I thought I'd been offline for a bit, but he's got me beat by about a month he uh, has a better excuse. And I'm not telling tales out of school because he mentions it right in the opening to this episode, but he's been going through a divorce and that will throw anybody off their stride. Uh, When I saw him here in uh, the Bay Area early in the summer, it was just getting started the proceedings on that divorce. But now most of the hysteria seems to be done with, and he is getting back to finding the funnier things in life uh, with the help of his guests on his show. In this clip, Dana and two of his guests, April Richardson and past Succotash guest Matt Weinhold, chatted up about ghosts in the comedy store in Los Angeles, which segues quite naturally into a discussion about cocaine. What? Well, that's supposedly
7: haunted.
0: I totally believe that.
7: The comedy store haunted. And this is not Lego haunted. Blake Clark, who was a platoon sergeant in Vietnam, not... <laughs> A lightweight dude. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the nicest guy on earth, greatest guy ever, uh, swears like one night in the kitchen he saw something that really spooked him. Oh, I've Cause heard it used multiple be,
0: people say that. It
7: used to be Ciro's, which was a mob hangout and a lot of people with debts to uh non non licensed banks sure um, <laughs> banks, went, went in went into the Ciro's to talk about their debts and were carried out.
8: I think I also read too that upstairs that like illegal abortions were performed and stuff like all no, kinds that's of. Now. Oh okay. It's
7: a, it's a belly that's room. now and that's, it's, that's yeah. why it's called the belly room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where careers go to die. Yeah. I got the name. Yeah. Yeah, it's very alternative. The microphone comes out of your navel.
8: Right. <laughs> I did read a lot of a lot of shady stuff went down there and even just the few times I've been even in like the dark hallway or something I'll be like this is not this is not a place I want to be hanging out. There's
7: a funny and the, all the bathroom fixtures in the comedy store for people that have never been there. Everything is black. Yeah, and I this is based on no proof whatsoever, but I assume that was done in the mid seventies to make it easier to see your cocaine.
8: <laughs> did they factor that into design choices sure at places? I,
7: you know, I did stand up in the eighties, in the boom, in the eighties sure. boom when the I was
0: boom of both comedy and cocaine.
7: Yeah, and I saw so much cocaine done. Right, I who have oddly have never done it. Uh, it was like people drinking a diet Coke. it right. was just uh, i was w- I worked at a place in Boston called Nick 's Comedy Stop, which was purportedly run by the mafia to the point that it had earned the nickname the Bulletproof lounge Wow <laughs> and um, I worked there with Sam Kennison and literally I just saw Sam Kennison do like two ten inch rails of Coke.
0: Jeez get
7: up go to the bathroom throw up come back in say if you don't throw up you're doing it wrong get introduced go on stage kill for an hour and a half right
8: okay hold on back up so part of the appeal is throwing up if you're if you don't throw up you're doing well, it wrong i don't know i don't know you're oh, that's we're a certain out of my type of addict
7: yeah that's okay. a certain type of addictive behavior
8: well i've also never done it either so i just wanted to make sure i knew everything i was missing out on
7: yeah have you ever done it man Yes, you have. I, yeah, I have. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got to bring my funny lines to the uh, to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have uh, I have uh, I- indentations in the in the roof of my car where I just put a line in and do it. But yeah, I've done it, and it's uh, it's. But you've uh, never had a drug problem. I've known you for a long time. No, nah, nah, I mean my thing with that. You is have it, problems. I have, but yeah, not no, Oh boy! Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. My problem is me. Sure. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I snort anxiety every morning. <laughs> uh,
9: but, uh, but
7: my mutual, uh, you know, many relationships that I have have
2: flourished on our mutual hatred of me. <laughs> Get the Dana Gould Hours Big Two Hour Episode entitled Booska at danagould.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Anyone familiar with Ralphie Mays comedy knows that he's got strong opinions about a great many things. He's also not afraid of expressing them on stage, and it turns out he's definitely not afraid to jump into them on his podcast called The Perfect Ten, which he co-hosts with his wife, comedian Lana Turner. Uh, It jumped up to the uh, Stitcher Top 100 comedy Podcasts in Space 91 this week. Uh, That was a 45-place move since last week. And in this clip we have, we discover that Ralphie not only does not like wine very much, but he really hates the movie Sideways, uh, which was all about wine and wine tasting and people screwing in Central California. (laughs) This uh, clip, it precedes a visit that uh, you can hear on the show, where Lana makes a a tour of a winery and proceeds to learn a little bit about viticulture.
10: One of the movies that everyone uh, loves, but I fucking hate, sideways right where uh okay here's the gist all right it's a bunch of white people and a hot asian okay that are alcoholics and they drink and drive that's the fucking movie A piece of shit it's a piece of shit. I mean if it was if it was uh, if it was called FOTE's okay, and it was it was a bunch of black people and one and Asian, okay, and they were drinking and driving, nobody would watch it. But white people fucking love wine. They love it. Okay? It's just bullshit. And and drunk driving all over California, I mean, why didn't they show the sequel of that called Sideways? That's the only way Paul Giamatti can talk after the fucking car wreck that alcoholic had. Oh. All right, fucking weirdo. That 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 just that movie sucked. Fucking hate that. I, I I like wine sometimes, but it's got to be good wine, you know. Right with a good meal, right? Like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For just for people to come home and drink it, it's like why fuck around, man? Why don't you just smoke a joint or fucking drink a beer? Don't pop a bottle, and have this big fucking production and let it air, and then you got to, you know, you got to drink the whole wine, and you get purple teeth. You know, I've got a good friend who, you know, she's lit up when she's got purple fucking teeth. Oh, got horrible, ugly fucking purple teeth. That's when, you know, either she's been blowing Barney or she's been drinking (laughs) wine. I don't like it, man. But you, it's so weird. Lana, my beautiful wife, folks, can you can get two glasses of red wine and not tell her uh, which one is which. And one can be from a $10 bottle of wine, and the other one can be from a $900 bottle of wine. And she goes, oh, yeah, just by smelling. This one's nice. I like this one. But <laughs> The $900 one? Yeah, I guess. Is that what this one is? Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, but
7: I know nothing about wine. Nothing just... at all.
10: But, man, she fucking can cont- – that's the Jew in her. <laughs> the, she, can, he, she can sense out the expensive and every fucking thing. It's amazing. <laughs> It's cost I don't me do so much purpose. money over the years. I, I know. Just
7: get the $10 one. I wouldn't know the difference.
10: Yeah, you would. Not You'd if go, I didn't have the other one. This is gross. <laughs> You've t- I've tried that before. Don't you think I've tried that? No. Yes, I have. And and you just you know it. You know what you like. You know what's good stuff. It's weird.
7: Well, I don't really know a lot about wine. In fact, I don't know uh, when when we go to a restaurant we get wine I'm I'm pretty oblivious to what I'm getting, but um, I had a little bit of a wine education. When I got to go with um, a wine expert to a winery, there's a lot of wine, 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 wow, wow, wow. I
10: know, and you're Jewish. Come uh, on, what's the old Jewish wine? What's the first Jewish wine? Manashevitz? No, before that. I want to go to Florida. Ah, uh, okay. Miami. Miami.
2: They're up to episode 55 over on their home site, perfect10pod.com. That's the numeral 10 in there. Also, of course, you can get them from iTunes or Stitcher. Usually our O Durst segment comes at the end of the show, but because we've had a few hiccups the, bla- the past couple of weeks, the pieces provided to us by political comedian Will Durst got a little clogged in the pipeline. If you're a listener that never quite gets to the end of our podcast before jumping over to the next one, you might not have heard Will on this show, so I'm going to play a segment now and one later. In this entry, Durst tells us a modern day fable.
3: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a political fable. Once upon a time, a little red hen wanted to bake some bread. She formed an LLC with her neighbors, a pig, a sheep, and a mouse, then asked them to help her gather the wheat. But citing confusion over the stalled congressional action on the agricultural bill, the pig refused. The sheep didn't dare risk offending his good friend the pig. The mouse was unavailable for comment, but the hen swore she could hear dishes rattling in its hole. So the hen gathered the wheat. She needed help grinding it, and again approached the pig. But the pig declined, owing to the generally explosive union situation. The sheep couldn't possibly commit without first consulting his bank manager, who was vacationing in Aruba. According to an informed source, the mouse was in conference with his lawyer and could not be disturbed. So the hen ground the wheat. Unfortunately, it took so long, she lost the option on the industrial oven she had lined up. Warily, she approached the pig, but he had already leased his oven space to a Chinese bakery concern. The sheep was waiting for a similar yet intrinsically different offer and couldn't tie himself up. An unnamed staff member claimed the mouse was busy defending himself against a harassment charge by the cat. After many months, the hen got a grant for an alternative production plant and baked many loaves of bread, keeping all of the profits." The pig and the sheep sued for breach of promise and won the entire operation in a settlement. The mouse never knew what was going on. The hen got revenge of sorts when the pig who through a hostile takeover had dumped the sheep was jailed after the fda found moose pellets in the crust of the sourdough. The sheep scored big by selling a fictionalized script of the whole affair to HBO as a 12-part miniseries in which the hen played a cameo as a sexy yet conflicted FDA inspector. The end. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
2: There's a lot more on his home site, of course, at willdurst.com, and he's always tweeting at Will Durst up there on Twitter. The Bitter Sound podcast out of the UK is often a sort of audio experiment. Host Davian Dent likes bending sound and structure in interesting and sometimes disturbing ways. In the spirit of the BBC over there, Davian's recently concluded his second season of six shows. And we have a clip from that last show where a friend has brought him something to commemorate the occasion.
11: Davian!
1: Damien!
0: Damien!
11: Jesus Christ! Put your trousers on!
5: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Bitter Sound. Um, it's the end of another series. This uh, second run of six shows, um, Tempest Fugit, etc. Um, so I'm a little bit distracted at the moment. I know I always get a bit like this at the end of a series. Um, yeah. We actually know- because this is the last show. I've actually, I've actually, I've actually brought you something. I think, he, I think you oh, no like it. Oh fuck me! Yeah, no way, man. I'm actually giving you something for the show. Yeah, I thought I'd buy you a little gift. I think you will like it. I hope you like it. I'll, I'll just go and get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. Um, just before you open it, don't, don't wear shorts again, because I can see one of your bollocks. I do apologise.
3: Anyway,
5: right. Wow. Um, um, just for all of, um, you that are... Freaking uh, <laughs> hell. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's this massive, um, cylindrical box-shaped thing, um... It's, 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 it's supposed to be a cake. I fucking love cake. If you wouldn't mind, sort of, opening the lid and there we go oh what oh oh, there should be hang on there should be, there should be. Ah, um, be um well okay there was supposed to be a woman well, let jump out of the top but she sort of died oh for fuck's sake I thought you might like it thanks
11: Shit in your sock drawer while you're asleep.
5: So when did you order it then? I mean, like, if Well, it was on eBay, okay, you know, they just said, woman in cake. Um, well, what are we are going to do with it then? Um, because well, I was... You've got, you've got quite a big garden. Can we bury in your garden? Yeah, I was thinking maybe we, I've, have... because it would be good if, uh, I, the the poor wretch from Lithuania is dead. I mean, um, you know, she didn't even get a chance to say anything. No. How about... It's actually quite smelly. <laughs> uh, what we do... We- hang on a minute. I've got this garden hose. Yeah. Um, if I push this garden hose far enough up her ass, so it punches yeah. through all of her internal organs and yeah, comes yeah. up by the throat, Yeah, yeah. I could blow down that mm. and you could move the mouth mm. and we could animate her and make her talk yeah right um, <laughs> so okay I'm going to blow up the hose now okay and yep. uh, you m- move on, the, the- yep, yep go on go, go. yep hello dear. happy last show. this is so depressing I'll tell you what though you would wouldn't you let's make her airtight yeah given up? Yeah, I have. Um, I'm celebrating not smoking by um, having a cigarette. Right. Right, okay, come on. What the fucking hell is that, Davian? Where'd you get that from? Um, I borrowed it. Borrowed it? Yeah, borrowed it, yeah. Come on, let's go inside. Wow, it really is bigger on the inside. I know, fucking mad, isn't
11: it?
2: You can check out more of Davian Dent over at TheBitterSound.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Also, don't forget that Davian and his pal chef Matt Bubbles will be back following the closing of this episode to cook up their own succotash recipe. That's right. Now, here's the first of the clips submitted this week by our buddy Tyson Saner. Tyson is not just an avid listener to podcasts, but he's also a very supportive voice out there for a lot of shows. He's constantly retweeting stuff from not just Succotash, but Chill Hollywood Hour, Combat Radio, and many others that he wants people to discover. Now, I love this clip from Call Chelsea Peretti, a show we haven't gotten, to, uh, gotten around to featuring yet, as Chelsea has guest Bill Burr on her podcast, and you can tell they like mixing it up just a bit.
12: Somebody sent me a link today uh, about a George Carlin link mm-hmm. about um, his thoughts on like voting and that type of thing. And I actually watched it, and it was it was it was fucking devastating. Why? He's he's just so fucking good. Oh he's really? So good. He's just so good. Hmm. It's just being even the way he uses his voice, brings it up, brings it back down. When, I do that. I do that. He, oh yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> at it. But I mean, you're a natural. So <laughs> for me, it's always been work. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's yeah. He's just, I go
0: loud. I go soft. I do that.
12: Yeah, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened
0: there? i just yeah. I just want to you, you know affirm that I'm me?
12: I'm one of the top comedians in the country. I think you uh, are. No, I'm just as kidding. far as like you know feature acts out there, <laughs> you're really bringing a lot of heat on those headliners.
0: Oh God, this is hurtful already. Take it back. Take it back.
12: Okay, I take it back.
0: That was easy. I started. Have you read Carlin's um, autobiography? Mm-mm. Started reading it.
12: What am I reading right now? I'm reading this thing. I uh, live to eat. No, eat to live. <laughs> eat to live. live
0: to eat is for fat
12: people. <laughs> read, or eat to live. Live no, to eat, eat is eat. like,
0: oh, I live to eat. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Give me another piece of cake.
12: <laughs> <laughs> no, this is eat to live. It's telling me I'm supposed to basically eat like a gorilla.
0: Oh, which is what? Because
12: they're still jacked. Well, they eat, like, mostly vegetables and fruit. They can, like, pick up, like, a fucking armored car and throw it across the street.
0: Yeah, that's the dream.
12: So you're really not supposed to, like, you know, I guess, eat as much meat as I am. Like, I swear to God, like, if you saw what I did over the weekend. Oh, my God. Just thrown down my throat. Yeah. Just, like, 9,000 beers. That's
0: comforting to me because. Cigars.
12: It was awful. I don't know what I did. It's terrible.
0: I've been on a rampage, like, just eating pie. I had pie last night with Brendan and like one in the morning, we went to House of Pies, something like that. And then I woke up, texted
12: him, that and place said, "That sucks." I know the it's pie actually It's dirty, and there's a bunch of old people in there. I
0: know they had a fresh peach one that I had that was pretty good. They heated it up.
12: Nobody knows how to make a pie. I know. Except, hey, except, you know what? Except, yeah, Too your, your mom, your mom, your <laughs> grandmother. Nobody can can. Uh, once you go out in a the store, they can't make pies. They can't make fucking oatmeal, and they can't make macaroni and cheese. And the way <laughs> cannot get the toast cuz they're responsible for the toast. Yeah. They can't get it to time out with the heat of your eggs. No, you're, like when the eggs come every, out.
0: you you're one of the greats. You're one of the top comedians in the country. What you're saying right now, it's like there—if there was a church where people said these kinds of things, I guess that's what stand-up is.
12: I can never tell with you whether you're agreeing with serious. me or if you're shitting on. Me. It's like you know, she's like a great pitcher, where it just the motion is the exact same. You don't know—is it the curve? Is it a cut fastball? I have no idea. That I'm just gonna—I'm so just gonna go with that. You're gonna be mildly mocking me the entire time that I'm no, here. No, I
0: am 100 percent being. With t- your
12: ironic fern in the fucking corner. This we is not get it. my it's building. It's a talk show. This is not my Jesus building. Jesus Christ. That's
0: definitely that's not a hipstery, fern. That's very hipstery, by the way. That isn't a which, fern. That's
12: very hipstery. You got to talk to this guy right here, Dustin. Is. This it's is his. It's very like, yeah, like they did it with the Dick Cavett thing, the fucking lime green windscreen. No one's watching
0: here. this. It's just to, you know, keep oxygen in here or something. I don't know. I'm no, making this up. Is? But listen, not mocking you at all. This, I can't control that no one ever thinks I'm being earnest. Like if I do a show, sometimes I try to go like, thank you guys for coming out. It always sounds like.
12: You probably get a laugh or you, yeah. you put people off. Yeah,
0: like I get like, no one ever thinks because I'm you being probably you do it the way
12: you do your all your shit. Like, yeah, it's great to be yeah, here. Yeah. Okay. Because you because you're uncomfortable with actually putting out some sort of nice feeling. So I know. So that's what happens. It's but you. I
0: feel it. I do feel it. But it's very hard for me to express. Do you
12: cry it. when you're by yourself? Sometimes. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. You do do you? that, So you can't let it out. Do you? Do I? I only cry if something bad happens to animals. But I find tragic stuff happening to people disturbingly hilarious. <laughs> More times than I should.
2: (laughs) Chelsea is just about to break into episode 40, so you've got some catching up to do over at feralaudio.com and iTunes. Now, I couldn't find her on Stitcher, and I think that Feral Audio might be cutting them out of the loop so that they can get some advertising dollars directly instead of letting a Stitcher make off with it, I guess. Um, We received a clip from a relatively new sketch-based podcast. Action Science Theater is a monthly show. The description on their website reads Action Science Theater is a podcast in the style of a radio play that mixes action, science, comedy and silly voices to create a welcome distraction from real life for 20 minutes or so. It is unquestionably the finest free online audio drama you can get without trying any others. (laughs) I love truth in advertising. Uh, You know, there's a little bit of a feel of the thrilling adventure hour, super ego, and uh, even illusionoid to this show, at least in the clip we have. But that's not a bad thing at all, boys.
11: Set your internet dials to dum-dum-duh as we bring you action, as
4: we bring you science, and as we bring you theater with... Action Science Theatre. Seven down, garden implement, five letters. Spade. Trowel. Trowel has six letters. Oh, it does, you're right. Spade it is. Eight across, kind of tree, three letters. Oh, beach. Five letters in beach, I think. One, two. Oh, yes, five. This crossword is very easy. We finished the times one. I found this one in a magazine I confiscated from one of the girls. Which magazine? I don't know, but it has a lot of pictures of celebrities' bottoms. That is probably more interesting than chemistry, to be fair. And I suppose everyone in your physics classes is in a constant state of rapt attention. Of course not. I just let the buggers sleep. You'd be surprised how much a person can learn subconsciously. I just put on videos about reproduction. That keeps their attention, especially if you put them on fast-forward. Biology pushing the boundaries of man's knowledge. What was that? I thought nature had finally started punctuating my witticisms. There was a flash of light from the woods by the end of the playing field. Ah, the wisdom of allowing children to use photography equipment. Bravo arts once again. There's some sort of commotion. The children are gathering round, they're they're pulling their phones out to take pictures. And lo, art skills are proved redundant by science. High five? Why not? Oh, wait, there's something happening. Something, something's coming out of the trees. Oh dear. What is it? I think our timetable just got a bit lighter. That's classes five and seven gone. Well, that's a relief. I hadn't even started there, Marking. Let me see. It's too far away. I have some binoculars over here somewhere. Why do you have binoculars? The ice cream van only comes to the gates. I wouldn't see it otherwise. What do you see? I'm not sure. There is something coming out of the woods. What? I don't want to alarm anyone, but I think they might be aliens. Sorry, that's my ringtone. I'll turn it off. Aliens? I had a bet on that when it did happen they'd come in peace. Twenty pounds, that's cost me. Uh, What do the aliens look like? They look kind of green and squishy. Yes, squishy. Ah, if only Charles Darwin had had your descriptive powers. And they're moving around in these three-legged machines. Three-legged? Yes. How does that work? Surely when one leg lifts off the ground, it'll unbalance and fall over. That does seem logical. I can only tell you what I'm seeing. Maybe it's magnets. Magnets? Yeah, you know. Magnetising. Yes, well, that's that cleared up. Wait. One of them has stopped in front of the gymnasium. Perhaps they've just come to do PE. A large cylinder is emerging from the top. It's starting to glow. (coughs) Well, that's the gym gone. Clearly they hate PE as much as everyone else. I hope they have a note from their mother... This situation is getting rather out of hand. I'm afraid if we don't do something, these aliens may be a threat to a sizeable part of northwest Oxfordshire. You're right. Somewhere as strategically important as Banbury could be next. The Resistance had better start here. Why do we have to be the Resistance? Why can't we just roll over like we normally do? It was a very effective strategy when they threatened to cut our department budget. Better the devil you know, chaps. The Ministry of Education we can deal with. What would an alien regime demand? They could merge us into a single subject. You think they would? Who knows? Oh, the humanity. We're the only hope Middle England has left. So, does anyone have a plan?
2: Teleport yourself over to actionsciencetheatre.com, and that's uh, the T-H-E-A-T-R-E version of Uh, theatre. actionsciencetheatre.com to pick up their signal, or else you can try iTunes. And now a word from our sponsor.
1: Hello, friends. Bill Heyward here. You know, you may have heard the rumors or seen the video of our latest test trousers leaked on TMZ, Perez Hilton, or one of the other popular So Me sites. Well, the rumors are true, and now I can finally tell you about an exciting new breakthrough at Henderson's Pants that's soon to have everyone talking. Henderson's new peekaboo pantaloons are a whole new kind of pants never before seen, and trust me, never to be seen again. Because Henderson's peekaboo pants are 100% invisible. Impossible, you say? Invisible, I say, and I never lie. Looking for flattering pants that hug your curves and yet move as smoothly as you do? Well, you don't have to look any further because it won't do you any good. You simply cannot see these trousers. Made from a special transparent silk material woven by spiders in the Belgian Congo, these see-through yet sturdy pants are so lightweight that you'll feel as if you're wearing nothing at all. And since being able to see items in your invisible pockets would not only be ridiculous but possibly embarrassing or even dangerous, these pants have no pockets nor belt loops but they don't need them. Just slip on a pair of Henderson's peekaboo pantaloons, and it's like you're wearing a second skin. Heck, these pants feel so natural, it's like you're wearing a first skin. Originally designed as new clothes for the Emperor, Harry Potter, and the Hollow Man, Henderson's peekaboo pantaloons are available everywhere. You just have to figure out where they are in the store. That's Henderson's, wrapping cloth around your private since 1793, and now back to suck
2: Thank you, Bill Haywatt uh, I don't know if I could see myself in a pair of those <laughs> Sorry You know, a lot of traffic and messages in the old tweets act the past couple of weeks Not sure what, if any, that we need to cover here. But as a sampling, I learned, for instance, that Way Too Hip Radio, one of the first shows to interview me when Succotash started, is moving their operations from the East Coast to the San Francisco area soon. So maybe we'll actually get to meet those boys in person, or at least the main host in person. Uh, I don't exactly know if they're all making the trip. Uh, Royal and Doodle are going to try to pull together a post-show Succotash recipe one of these days. That is going to be fun. Uh, And there's a number of our podcast friends have been thanking us for retweeting mentions of their shows dropping, like uh, Christine Blackburn over at Storyworthy Podcast and the Broadcast Basement Podcast. I have, incidentally, agreed to jump into Broadcast Basement's Fantasy Football League. This is going to be tragic, I fear. I, I know a lot about fantasy, like swords and dragons and stuff like that, but not so much about football. (laughs) I'll keep you up on how the Succotash rocks are doing as the season (laughs) kicks off, gets going, and then crashes and burns. Here's a list of just some of the kind people who took the time to tweet, retweet, favorite, or direct message us the past week or two up on Twitter. BRC web series, Boo Marcus, Dazed Convicted, Seven Days a Geek, Francine Spidel, Dits with the tits. <laughs> Lonely Joanna, Sue Smith 666, James, Proud, James Proudluck. Positive Podcast, Death Squad RT, Joey Medina, Inverse Delirium. Ed Wallach, Ed Krasnick, Alfonso P. Spain. Todd Berry, USMC Booney Rat. The Pod Mafia. BB and; B podcast, Dina Ray Rice. Ebook Builders to Christine Warner, John Cullum, Eric and Stacy, Harper Dipperman, Colty Harrison, Karen McCorkle, Samuel Bayad, Cranky Mom of Two, Ben Capraro, and Daisy Hahn. And I would be remiss if I let this opportunity slip by without thanking all of the people who gave generously this week by clicking on the donate button at Show.com. Now, I met, mentioned him before. Our one good donor this week is Charlie Miller from the Random Variety Show podcast. And thanks for having me on your show as well. Uh, Charlie, really appreciate that on your past episode of the Random Variety Show podcast. Tweet sack, sack. Now it's just a bag filled with ancient hopes and broken dreams. If you'd like to email us, go to MARC at succotash show.com. You can also stick at succotash show in your tweets and we'll retweet your podcast info when we see it or repeat your comments in the tweet sack. And don't forget our toll full succotash hotline at 818 921 7212. All right, coming out of the Tweet Sack, we've still got clips, this week's Boganwoods installment, another Burst-O-Durst, and a Succotash recipe from the Bitter Sound cooking class.
9: This is Rob Mayer from the Rob and Joe Show, and you're listening to Succotash, which makes you awesome and smart and good-looking, and I don't really mean what I'm saying. You're probably just bored and have given up on life, but
2: enjoy
9: the show nonetheless.
2: We played a clip on Suckatash from the Burt cast, hosted by comedian Burt Kreischer, when he first launched about a year and a half ago. Our honorary associate producer this episode, Tyson Saner, lets us revisit the man cave this week when Burt lures Mark Marin out of the WTF garage onto the Burt cast to get real about marriage, kids, drinking, and hopes and dreams.
6: So you propose? congratulations? Yeah. When are you, guys, you guys think you're going to have kids?
2: No, I mean, that's the plan. I'm fucking going to be 50,
9: but like. Uh, Look, she's 30 and she wants kids, and I somehow couldn't figure out how to do that. I, I have a, a lot of fear around it. I have a lot of fear around adult things, but I really think I would, I would be a good father, and I think I could have the love. I'm a little frightened about the age thing, but a lot of people are like, you know what? Because you, know, you start to get to a point, it's like somehow I never thought about it. Like I, I'm just selfish, and and I don't know if it's the way I was brought up, but it was never like I, not once in my life was having a family part of my plan. Really? Yeah, I didn't have much of a plan. Oh, it was my game plan since day one. Same with my brother. I just, you know, and then people are like that, and it makes yeah. sense to me. It seems to be what people do. Yeah, they, I'm an anomaly. I'm not like, you know, why is everyone doing that? You know yeah. what I mean? I knew why people did it, but, I, you know, I didn't know how it was done. I didn't know how, because I'm not, it, it's taken me a long time to, to sort of connect with, uh, you know, being truly empathetic or being able to be selfless without it being threatening somehow, you know, I, I had to learn and grow a lot as a person before I could understand or accept that stuff. And, but I, I believe we're, we are going to do it. And, um, and I just, I mean, people do it all the time. I mean, that's like, cause in my mind it's like, is the house going to be okay? Do we have enough money? And like, and then you realize, like I can walk down my block and there are people with nothing who have four kids,
6: nothing, <laughs> and and nothing. They, there are people, and they don't even think twice about it. It I'm seems. consistently blown away by like how like I was like I don't know if I'm ready financially to have kids because like, I had him when I was do I was seven hundred dollar a weekend uh, feature act right and I was like I was like this is a bad idea and then I remember being when we had the kid were, I remember seeing other dads there's one dad with a big uh, fuck the world tattoo on his throat yeah and I went oh if he can do this I can do this <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. have that fucking throat when tattoo figure
9: you out a way but I have a very panicky. Kind of like you know, if I think too far ahead, it's never. It's always gonna. You know, the 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 feeling I get when I do that is never like, oh, that's gonna be great. It's always like, I'm fucked. I mean, there's no yeah. way I can,
6: you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so you got to look at having kids like the same way you do sobriety. Yeah, one day at a time. I guess so. I mean, I, I guess so. Yeah, because I like I look at like I look at never drinking again as something insurmountable. I like, go, I could never, not ever have yeah. a beer. Right. But I've always I've always been able to stop drinking if I get to go. Yeah, I'm just not going to drink tonight. Tonight right. I'm going to give myself a break, and then yeah. what happens is I feel good. Yeah. I don't want to drink the next night, right? And then it just becomes a habit of just not drinking because you yeah. feel good.
9: Yeah. How long has that lasted?
6: Oh, I've never. Uh, the longest, <laughs> the longest. Really, honestly, the longest I've had in a long time <laughs> is about 17 days. Yeah. And I was like, and I was doing a cleanse, lost 40 pounds, I felt great. My kids started going, Dad, you seem really relaxed. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, to fuck this up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get back to the old me. Now, if you could, yeah. If you could. All the same money. You, you, uh, we turn into a communist state. Everyone gets p- – you get to pick, based on your skill set, they go, we're going to give you $10 million, but you can only do one. Your podcast, stand-up, write books, or your TV show, what would you do? You can only do one. Um, and then I'll tell you what the right answer is. Do oh, you know the right answer? <laughs> no, no, but no, but I can tell you which one I'd At this yeah. age? Yeah, yeah right, now, right now, right now.
9: Uh, the TV show I have now.
6: TV show you have now. Wait,
9: but I get it, the ten
6: million. You get ten million and a year. A year. You just got to. You just got to commit to one for the rest of your life. You can only do one.
9: Oh, I think it would have to be stand up. Yeah. 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 Because the the, the stand up thing, like as much as I like talking to other people, um, you, you know, and, and learning things, like I could still do that, but not as a job. You're telling me. So you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like I could build my life out in a certain way. I think the stand-up keeps me connected and it keeps me, you know, con- you know, whether I like it at times or not or whether I'm up against a wall with things, you know, it forces me to be creative and think things through differently and, and process stuff uh, more than the other stuff does. Yeah. You know, the TV show, well, I mean, for $10 million a year, I mean, it's a, it's a tough question because I see them as all sort of part of the same thing. But writing books wouldn't be on there. But it would be yeah. – and and the podcast – If I was making 10 million, though, there's still something about being on stage, not knowing what's going to happen, and Uh, having something happen.
6: It's the greatest. Yeah. There's no better feeling like that, and I, I feel like you know those people who who write blogs and complain about when a comic maybe took a misstep and, and, and said something like Tosh, yeah. where, he, where they yeah. believed that that was inappropriate, I go, but yeah, but you don't know how many times you got to fail in order to get the one
2: great one, the one time. Hey, right. You know, Bert gets some great guests in his man cave. You can listen in at BertCast.com, that's B-E-R-T-Cast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Tyson Sainer comes through again with Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. It's a a one-of-a-kind thingaroo that I've never heard before, but it's pretty interesting, especially if you, like me, are into the Trek. It features Ken Ray and John Campion, delving into literally every episode of every Star Trek TV series, recounting the plot lines and then delving into character motivations, plot wrinkles, and everything in between. There's a sense of humor to it for sure, but this is for the true Star Trek aficionado. Give a listen.
12: Today on a very special mission log, we ponder the fate of dogs in costumes and witness one man's split with his nearest and dearest.
13: We join the ever-active Enterprise Away team on a specimen-gathering mission on planet Alpha-177. One of the specimen, a dog in a unicorn costume by the looks of it. It's a sweet thing, for now. Crewman Fisher hurts his hand and is ordered up to the Enterprise to have it checked out. Unmindful of the yellow ore covering his clothes, he beams up, though Scotty has a wee bit of trouble pulling him through. Next to me up, Captain Kirk, though he comes through a bit woozy. Scotty escorts him to his cabin. While no one is in the transporter room, a second, more sinister-looking Kirk materializes, and we hit the opening credits. Act 1. A logie Captain Kirk heads to bed while Enemy Within Kirk, or Alt Kirk, goes to sickbay and demands Brandy, which he starts swigging as he heads to the quarters of Yeoman Rand. Spock checks in with Logie Kirk, having heard from Dr. McCoy that Kirk's been acting like a wild man. Kirk tells Spock that Bones must have been pulling his leg. Off they go to check the status of the transporter, where they find the dog in a unicorn costume, docile as ever, and a second dog in a unicorn costume, all teeth and snarls. Scotty says it's physically the same dog in a unicorn costume, though split into a nice, sweet Logie dog and an angry alt-dog. Fearing the same might happen to the away team, Scotty says they dare not beam them back, which is an issue since it's going to be wicked cold on Alpha-177, like 120 degrees below zero cold. And where is Alt-Kirk? Trying to force his physical attention on Yeoman Rand. She scratches his face and calls for help. Alt-Kirk is spooked by the appearance of Crewman Fisher, who he proceeds to beat up. Logie kirk is quizzed about his behavior with Yeoman Rand, since as far as they know currently, there is just one Kirk. After a bit of questioning Rand, they realize there are in fact two. Act 2. Spock and Logi-Kirk set to finding Alt-Kirk. Can't kill him though, since they have no idea what that'll do to Logie Kirk if they do. Logie Kirk says they should warn everybody though. Spock points out that that could jeopardize his command. Logie Kirk agrees, but ends up doing it anyway after basically realizing he's lost his strength of will. Thing is, Alt Kirk hears the announcement, works to hide the identifying scratches made by Rand, and sets himself to hiding. But Alt Kirk and Logie Kirk are both Kirk, so Logie Kirk figures out where Alt Kirk would go. Below Deck's engineering Logie Kirk finds Alt Altkirk, while Logie Kirk warns Altkirk that he can't kill him, Altkirk tries to, stopped only by a pinch on the neck from Mr. Spock. With Altkirk safely bound in Sickbay, Spock says, "This will be an awesome time to study the duality of man." Meanwhile, we learn that the shot meant for Logie Kirk has hit the transporter system. Scotty says he'll need at least a week to fix it, which would leave the away team to freeze, thaw, refreeze, rethaw, refreeze, and you get the idea. Act 3. Both Logie Kirk and Alt Kirk are dying, until they join hands and Logie Kirk tells Alt Kirk to pull it together and use his mind. Seems to do the trick for both of them, at least for a while. Logie Kirk realizes the two must once again become one, though the idea sickens him. He wants to be without his animal and ugly self. Still, what can you do? Smot calls Kirk to the transporter room. It looks like it's fixed, though they want to try it out on the dog in the unicorn costume first. That does not go well. The dog in a unicorn costume does not survive reunification. Act 4. Bones and Spock argue over what killed the animal. Bones would like to investigate, though Spock says there's really no time. He's convinced that Kirks, with their brain functions higher than a dog's in a unicorn costume, could survive the shock of being recombined since they'd know what was happening. Logie Kirk is unsure until he hears from the away team, which is obviously succumbing to the intense cold. He unstraps Alt-Kirk, who makes a break for it, and tries to take control of the Enterprise... Ultimately, this fails. Logie Kirk takes Alt Kirk through the transporter, and out comes one reunified Captain Kirk. The away team is saved, and we are on to another planet, which is a story for another time.
2: So here we have Kirk again, uh, expressing his desire for Yeoman Rand. Didn't we just see that a couple of weeks ago yeah. um, in uh, The Naked Time? Um He's got a thing for Rand, and um, it it makes you wonder what would have been if she had stuck around on the ship.
12: Um, But obviously she didn't make it through the first season. Um, But I I have to wonder, you know, if making Kirk have that uh, tragic side when it comes to love is uh, maybe what helped Star Trek from having a a jump the shark moment. You know, Kirk and Yeoman Rand had hooked up. That would have been bad. I don't know though that it would have
13: been like a. I don't know. If there's a jump the shark moment. I don't know. If there's actually any real story there except she's sort of a constant reminder of her presence in the show would have been a constant reminder of uh, you know, duty over desire. I mean, Kirk yeah. may always want her, but he can never have her because he's the captain and she's the uh, she's the yeoman. She's one of his crew people. It's like you know, it's like dating at work if you're the right. boss. Not necessarily a good idea.
12: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Why not put yourself on a five-year mission to catch all of these episodes over at missionlogpodcast.com, iTunes, and they're even on YouTube. Our next clip was sent in by Tommy K., one of the hosts of the One Dollar Beer podcast. Other hosts include Frost T. and Anthony Gunn. Tommy's cover note says, quote, This is a snippet of our second episode entitled Purple Lightsabers and White Women. It includes a clip from a segment where one of the hosts reveals some of his list of confessions and secrets that he's never told anybody, along with reactions from the other hosts. Thank you. No, no. no. Thank you, Tommy, for sending the clip in. Everybody, enjoy your first taste of $1 beer.
8: I don't know if anybody else has ever had this exact thing happen or if something close has happened, but um, I one shot a load of hot semen on my own face and couldn't see <laughs> out of my eye for several hours.
9: <laughs> I we rolled up into a bowl. Oh my God.
8: No, that's how, well, that is how I jerk off, if you remember from last <laughs> week. I wasn't jerking off, actually. I was actually with somebody. I was, I was on top. And honestly, I was getting ready to fucking come, and I didn't feel like fucking, like, kind of... I, I, was, I, wasn't, I was wearing, wasn't wearing a condom, and I didn't feel like... kind of town. I didn't feel like fucking posturing up and kind of, like, you know, to come. I was like... So I was, I was hunched over, kind of missionary style, or whatever, like face-to-face and shit. And I just fucking pulled it out and was like, ugh, oh, and started beating it, and it fucking shot so hard. And, like, I was kind of looking down at it, too, <laughs> and it shot me. Right, so you fucking eye. beat off to yourself. Dude, it fucking <laughs> hit me in my eye. <laughs> Not to itself. It's a self bukaki It it was. Dude, you want to talk about pain? I will never want to come in a girl's Get a fucking rock? Unless I hate it. <laughs> no, dude, it felt <laughs> like it felt like I got punched. It felt like a fucking black eye for a few hours afterwards. It fucking sucked. Wow. Just, I mean, just think of... So like, anybody else can have this happen? Put a pompous like, in, come in the uh, eye. Uh, come in the eye, anybody? I can't uh, really say I can <laughs> relate. So, I can say I've had a couple misguided... Missiles. Mouthfuls? Uh, <laughs> no. And, and, and miscutting missiles. Wait a minute. Torres is not here to tell the other half no. of that story. So we're not going to get into it. No, but I, I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a legit story. This is real. It almost happened. But it didn't. Okay? This is real shit. No, no exaggeration. This chick was riding me. And same thing. I had no condom. I warned her. So I was like, you know, when I say get up, get the fuck up. So... You know, I tell her to get up. She gets up. She gets up a little late. But she makes it. She makes it. She gets up late enough, just enough, that I catch her leg as she's getting up. And then it just shoots up and then drops right back on me. <laughs> ah, that's not that bad. I, I thought you were going to say, like, you came inside her and she was like, fuck you, you asshole, rubs it on your fucking face. Filled her- or her cum-filled push just rubbing it on your fucking face like, fuck you. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Come with <my> man. I clearly <laughs> said it wasn't that bad. Then again, I was the guy who came in his own eye. I
6: probably did like that.
8: <laughs> uh, already has a name. It's called taco dipping. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I thought it was the clam slam.
8: Same difference, Just oh, okay. It's a female yeah. tea bag, if yeah. you will.
6: But it's just sloppy. That's all.
8: Yeah. So yeah. All right. it's more like a clam baked slam. Or a baked clam slam? Or a stuffed clam. Right, there you go. There you go. Oh, the cheese. Well, I mean, extra cheese. I mean, it, right. yeah, it's kind of fun
11: stuff, <laughs>
8: Extra cheese. Extra oh. cheese. And it's drizzling out. I like it. Ugh.
2: Without a doubt, One Dollar Beer is the perfect title for that podcast. Bear in mind that there are another two minutes or so to that clip that Tommy felt he could not cut because... He it was just too awesome, to use his words. Unfortunately, we're running a little short on time, but you can decide for yourself and catch the whole thing over at $1beer.jellycast.com or iTunes. Now, the reason we're running short on time is because we have to get to Episode 6 of Boganwood, the podcast miniseries from Jason McNamara in Canberra, Australia. Things are really getting thrilling for Sheila, Dingo, and Brick, as you know from the first five episodes. After this installment, there will be only two episodes left. So I asked Jabs if there's anything he learned from Boganwood Season 1, which will affect upcoming Season 2. So as you're preparing to go into uh, doing a second season of Boganwood, any lessons from uh, doing it the first season that uh, is either making it easier or uh making it more cohesive or anything else that's a benefit that you didn't have going into the first one
14: (laughs) the first the first season um as i said it took on its own little uh universe and they got these characters got stuck in my head and all these stories would come to me during the week and you'd be sitting there going oh my god what would happen when sheila did this or what happened if dingo and brico did that that kind of stuff um yeah, the, the second season itself, I want to – I'm doing three misadventures and the three misadventures are – because Bogan such a big universe, I wanted to introduce three new characters. Oh, okay. um, whether or not they make the guest appearance in season two is something completely – I don't know yet. Um, but the lessons learned – Probably my accent, obviously. In the first episode, I read it dry um, just to see how it sounded and I started putting noise effects into the story. Mm -hmm. But I found by episode two that even the road noises and stuff started taking away from the actual story that you were telling. Um, And even though it was meant to be a glimpse back in the past of something that was occurring. So you hear road noses road when they're out the front of the supermarket and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then I started realising it was taken away from the flow of the story and that. So I don't, I don't think I would use the um, sound effects again unless the story really needed it. And the other thing is that I think even in the misadventure I did last week, um, I think me doing the Bogan voice, when I'm actually reading the story, adds to the story a fair bit. So from where I used to read it straight and just do the Bogan voices, now I read it in full Bogan voice. And it sounds like, as you pointed out earlier on, it's a narrative. So I think it definitely I'll be sticking with that as well. It's something I definitely learnt in the first season. Um, and also don't underestimate... <laughs> living in a house of my wife is one of the biggest fans of the show and she gets so pissed off about the cliffhangers and she will she will sit there and she's like that's just stupid why don't you just tell me what happens why don't you just tell me what happened um so probably keeping any cliffhangers to myself until the end of the season which is good so <laughs> welcome to Bougainwood, Australia, Canberra's forgotten suburb. In today's adventure, we jump straight back into the action as Sheila and Jimbo drive towards the undisclosed location. We also check back in on Dingo and Brico as they race towards Jimbo's place. The car continued to make its way up the street as Sheila turned to Jimbo. Alright Jimbo, I get the point. We did you wrong and we need to put things right. Jimbo smiled and reached down and put an old Jimmy Barnes tape into the tape layer he had installed himself. Sheila kept watching and trying to discuss the issue at hand. Jimbo? I get that you piss, but how the fuck is this my fault? I ain't done nothing. Jimbo continued to drive. Meanwhile, Bricko and Dingo continued up the road, running after the car, looking for a motor transport to get to Jimbo's place quicker. As they continued their way up the road, they saw two cyclists riding past in the bike lane. And that's when a plan kicked into old Bricko's mind. Hey Dingo, I got a plan. Follow me. Bricko yelled as he continued to run. As they made their way toward the next set of traffic lights, Bricko stopped and grabbed Dingo. What the fuck, Bricko? We have to go get Sheila. Dingo yelled. She's loved me life. We've been together since we were twelve, he continued. Bricko caught his breath and jumped in. Stop Dingo, mate. I need you to trust me. He stood and waited for the traffic light to turn red. Dingo stopped running for a moment and watched Bricko as he started to wash windows. There's no fucking time, Dingo yelled. But Bricko continued washing the windows. Whilst he was doing it, two cyclists made their way to the traffic lights. Now, anyone knows that cyclists that ride on the road also knows that the road rules only apply to them when it's convenient. And a red light was not something they were going to stop for. Bricko placed himself next to the car that sat along the bicycle path and as the cyclists were about to drive past, he opened the driver's side door. Bang! Both cyclists ran into the door and fell off their bikes. The driver was in shock. The fucking riders were in shock. Bricko was far from being in shock and he yelled at Dingo. Come on mate, we have to hurry. Dingo stood startled at what just happened but quickly made his way towards the now vacant bikes. Bricko grabbed the first one and started to get on it as the driver started to get out of their cars to look at the hurt cyclists. Ningo grabbed the second bike but thought he should say something to the now injured cyclists. A red light means stop, fuckwit. You ride on the rage, you obey the fucking rules. He grabbed a handful of change and threw it at him. We just bought your bikes, half price, because they're fucking dented. Bricko laughed as he started to ride off thinking of the backward logic he just used to acquire the perfectly rideable dented bikes as Dingo followed along. As they continued down to Jimbo's place riding their bikes, a small crowd had gathered around the driver, who was still in shock, and the two cyclists were perfectly alright except for their egos. And the fact that they didn't have any fucking bikes now, Bricko and Dingo kept riding as they made their way through the pathways and a crossroad to get through to Jimbo's place, making great pace. Whilst this was happening, Jimbo kept driving as Sheila kept yelling at him. You said you wanted to talk. Now talk. Jimbo kept singing and reached across the stereo to turn it off. He turned to Sheila. Now, Sheila, don't be like that. I haven't done nothing to hurt you. Unlike what your two idiots you hang out with did to me. Sheila continued to ran, trying to work out what she would do to escape this position. Jesus, Jimbo. What the fuck? How's this shit my fault? You know, I'm pregnant and stuff, don't you? Well, Sheila, I'm thinking that might be debatable, but, you know, you would know best as you usually do. Yeah, but uh, what about letting me go? Why can't you just pull over and let me out? Well, that's because I had a wee plan I needed you to help me with. What fucking plan you do, oh fuck? You'll see, Sheila, Jimbo's quickly spun the wheel of the car, crossing over the lanes and driving even faster. This part of the story is over for the likes of you, Jimbo laughed, and a weird look crept in his eyes as he continued to drive faster and faster. As this was occurring, Jimbo and Bricko were making great time. We were only moments away from Jimbo's place, so they decided they should stop and discuss some tactics before they reached his house. Right, what's the plan, Dingo turned to Bricko. Well, he has busted a leg, and he isn't known for using weapons, so I think we'll just have to cut him into our window washing business. Yeah, Bricko? I know you're thinking, man, but maybe you shouldn't be calling it our window washing business in front of him. Yep, shit, you're right. That could be our negotiating point. It's weird, really. We gave him the thing he wanted, an opportunity to sue the supermarket, and he's still fucking after us. Yeah, I agree. Doesn't make any sense to me, Bricko, but we need a plan. Okay, well, I need to think more clearly, Bricko said as he reached into his pocket and pulled out a joint like you thinking, Dingo said as he waited for Bricko to light the joint. Bricko took a puff and handed it to Dingo. And as Dingo put the joint to his mouth, that's when a plan of attack came to mind. Jimbo slammed on the brakes as Sheila stared out the window in shock. You're fucking kidding me, she yelled at Jimbo. No, Sheila, sorry, this is the end for you. Jimbo reached across the car. Bricko and Dingo pulled their newly acquired bikes up to Jimbo's place. But his car was nowhere to be seen. They were looking around the yard. Where was he? They walked around the house and couldn't see a door or window open. Bricko looked through the window and saw sudden movement. The fuck is in there, quick! Bricko yelled as he ran toward the front door. He started banging and yelling through the door. Let me in! Let her out! Both Dingo and Bricko yelled, getting ready to charge down the fucking door. As they continued to yell and scream, they didn't realise that Jimbo had just pulled up in his car and started to get out. Bricko and Dingo continued to yell as Jimbo started to walk up behind them. Jimbo yelled, Hello boys. Dingo and Bricko turned around to see Jimbo standing there holding Sheila's cigarette lighter in his hand and lighting one of those ciggies. It was only a matter of moments before the boys realised Sheila was no longer in the car. As these thoughts were digesting, the front door to the house opened and another person stepped out. Jimbo smiled a crooked smile, one that you wouldn't want to fucking see. Boys, it's about time we had a chat. Where the fuck is Sheila, you cunt? Dingo yelled. She's been taking good care of, Jimbo smiled in a strange way. Have you met me, mate? Hello, boys. Remember me? Diesel said. So that's where we leave Bricko and Dingo for today. After they finally made their way to Jimbo's place, only to meet yet... Another obstacle. But that's another story we'll continue another day. Boganwood is a place of many adventures and things have a tendency to work themselves out. And in recent events, it has also taken a serious turn towards the bad element. Come back to Boganwood to find the answers to the questions. What happened to Sheila? How is Jimbo going to seek even more revenge for the incidents that unfolded? Why is Diesel at Jimbo's place? And where the fuck are the cops while all this is going on? All this will be answered in the next episode. And remember what they say to their kids in
2: Boganwood? Don't you fucking swear, you little shit. Just two thrilling episodes of Boganwood left. You can actually go up and uh, binge listen all of the eight episodes of season one if you like at boganwood.tumblr.com. Um, Jason also has everything written out if you'd like to see what that looks like. Uh, in in word form, you can do that uh, or you can just keep listening here. And over the next couple of episodes of Suckatash, we will finish off episode one of Boganwood right here. Our raging moderate Will Durst muses on the question of who the Democrats will run for president when Obama is done in 2016 in our second Burst-O-Durst.
3: Hey, guys. Will here to ask the burning question that's on the lips of pretty much every American today, and that question is, who's going to be the Democratic presidential nominee in 2016? Because politically, not enough stuff is going on right now, so it's critical we gaze down the road a piece and try to figure out what's going to happen a scant 38 months down the line. And it makes sense. Come on, President Barack Obama's second term is almost over. The guy is spent just taking up space. He's not a lame duck, he's a quadriplegic platypus. And if he really does love this country, he'd prove it by stepping down and giving Joe Biden a head start. Of course, the job isn't simply Biden's for the taking. He's going to have to pry the nomination from someone who's already spent eight years in the White House, albeit in the East Wing. And apparently the GOP also considers that former tenant their major threat since they've launched a preemptive strike against Hillary Clinton. They've threatened to boycott NBC and CNN if the networks run Hillary specials like they plan to, and have taken to calling the former first lady too old. That's right, the Republicans the party of Reagan, the same guys that ran Bob Dole, whose campaign slogan was, Hey, you punks, get off my lawn. Can't wait for them to charge her with being too white as well, and too rich. Of course, other names are being bandied about, Andrew Cuomo, Rahm Emanuel, and Cory Booker, who just locked up the Democratic slot for the New Jersey Senate special election to fill the seat vacated by the late Frank Lautenberg. And the former Secretary of State has got to be sweating like a sumo in a sauna, just thinking about a young, charismatic, fast track black guy serving less than one full term in the Senate, hijacking her nomination. Again. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
2: You can get heaping helpings of Durst at willdurst.com, and you can also read his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. So that was a pretty juicy episode, this Epi 67, right? Thanks to the comedy podcasters who took the time to send in clips, and for those others whose shows I clipped and they don't seem to mind me playing. Also, another big thank you to this episode's honorary associate producer, Tyson Saner, for sending in the clips from Call Chelsea Peretti, the Burtcast, and the Mission Log podcasts. I've already got three more clips in the barrel from Tyson for Epi 68, too. If you don't want to go to the trouble of slicing and dicing off hunks of shows, but you do have comedy podcasts that you enjoy listening to that you haven't heard us feature yet on Suckatash, which is a possibility since there are only over 100,000 podcasts floating around out there, please drop us a line at M-A-R-C, that's Mark, at SuccotashShow.com and let me know about them. And for you comedy podcasters out there, you are always invited to shoot us a three to five minute mp3 clip of your show. Just send it along to clips at com. Just one more moment before I go to thank Charlie Miller from the Random Variety Show podcast, both for the interview I got to do on his recent episode with Crowd Show Marks, which was quite a thrill for me, being a big Marx Brothers movie fan, and for his generous donation to this show. You can do like Charlie did and head over to our home site, Suckatashow.com, and click on the Donate button. It all goes through PayPal and is very above board. Or, if you'd like to help us out invisibly, we have a portal to Amazon in the lower right-hand side of our site that you can click on to get to their site. And you will shop as you normally would. The only difference is that they shave a few cents off and shoot them our way. All right. Remember to stick around after our announcer, Bill Haywat gets done with his goodbyes to catch a recipe for Succotash from the Bitter Sound Cooking School and Chef Matt Bubbles. Then you can cook Succotash while listening to Succotash. And if you have friends over, remember that you'll then have two ways to pass the Succotash.
1: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon, brought to you by Henderson's Pats. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at com or call into the Succotash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212. The number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywat. Rem- Reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.
11: Good evening. My name is Mad Bubbles, and welcome to the Bitter Sound Cookery Class. Of this evening, I shall be drinking wine. Red wine, of course, I'm not a fucking animal. Once my palate is nice and wetted, I shall be preparing a dish known as steak and succotash. The preparation and completion of this dish will induce arousal in your female companions, and I fully expect they will be rather moist by the end. Please do not be alarmed, as this is a standard reaction to my presence, and I can assure that no harm will come to them. If you are female, then I apologise in advance for ruining your delightful panties. Photos would, however, be appreciated. First, I begin by killing the cow. I like my meat as fresh and raw as I like my women. Now, succotash is a native American dish. Real natives, not you fuckers that murdered all the darkies and claimed the land as your own. It's more commonly used in Yankland during Thanksgiving and the Great Depression. I do hope you enjoyed that period. Now, the boring bit the ingredient list vegetable oil, two cups of corn. Sorry, my cigarette went out. Uh, one large onion, peeled and chopped finely. Two medium sweet peppers of any hue, uh, de seeded and chopped like the cunt they are. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fucking ex wife. Fucking. <laughs>
12: bitch.
11: One or two fresh chilies. De seed them and chop them into rings. I would appreciate it if you rub them upon my testicles. I wish to watch the world burn. And one cup of butternut. Squash flesh, flesh, (laughs) tasty flesh. Chop, 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 flesh, flesh, flesh. (coughs) Two cups of canned lima beans, drained. Two cloves of lovely, lovely garlic. Peel the skin from them and crush them, crush them. One tablespoon of white cumin, sea salt, and freshly ground black pepper to taste. I am putting the vegetable oil into a large wok. You may also use a medium bottom pan if you so wish. Sauté the corn, the peppers, and the onions until the onions start to get slightly brown and slimy. Should take about seven minutes or so. "'Reduce the heat, add the garlic, butternut squash, salt, pepper, and cumin, "'and cook those for about four minutes. "'Keep stirring, drink more wine. "'Add the stock and lima beans, and simmer until the squash is tender. "'While simmering, prepare thy steak. "'I'm a simple man, so I simply sprinkle a little round black pepper "'and a spot of salt on both sides of the meat.' I like my steak blue, so essentially get a cow, wipe its arse, cut its horns off, and wave it at about 10 feet away from the hot pan. Et voila. If by this point you are still in an upright position and the police fire service have not been called, you may dump the lot on a plate and eat it. It'll be fucking lovely. You're welcome. <laughs>